We say in this church, if you're visiting with us, we make this confession before we share the word each morning or evening. It says, the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it says in in, uh, 2 Chronicles in chapter 7, the very beginning, it said, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not even enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord fell in the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement, and they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. You know, I don't know where you are in your life and what's going on in your life, but I believe you're about to enter a a place, an experience, a year in which, if you'll allow God, he'll fall on your life like that. Where just his anointing and his presence will envelop you where you are, maybe your prayer closet, your place at home, the park like Pastor Pam goes to, wherever that place is. But then not just in that place. See, in the Old Testament, that had to go where the presence of God was if they wanted to, if they wanted to be in the presence of God. In the New Testament church, which we are, the presence of God resides on the inside of us, so we don't have to just come to a place to experience that kind of presence, we carry that presence with us everywhere we go. And I believe that he'll fall on his church, he'll fall on his people in this way if we allow him to. If you were here last week, we shared a little bit about joy and peace in Jesus, the fact that Jesus came into this earth and brought joy and brought peace. We shared the story right out of Luke in chapter one and chapter two. We talked about how Mary came into Elizabeth's house and it says, the baby inside of Elizabeth leapt in her womb for joy of who Jesus was for what he was inside of Mary. And he was even just the most even hint or sparkle in her eye, like we say. She was just been told by the Holy Spirit that that she would conceive this baby. I mean, the the angel of the Lord just told her. And then she walks into the house and the baby leaps inside Elizabeth's womb for joy, that Jesus brought joy. And then I went through five things at the end of the message real quick that really God had put in my heart as I move into this new year, as Elizabeth and I, as we move in as a church, as we go into 2011, to move in there with joy, to move in there with peace in Jesus, he gave me five things. And the first one was dream big. And you can go and get the message online at victorylafayette.org. You can find it there. You can get it in the back. They have CDs, I'm sure, available back there if you don't have access to the internet. But it says that we're going to dream big. And here's the deal. Dreaming illustrates, it says, your hidden capabilities and your unawakened desires. And as young people, we tend to dream. But as we get older, as we mature, as we get wise to life, we tend to stop dreaming. We never stop living, but we stop dreaming. And a person without a dream is really lifeless. That doesn't make sense because we're all still alive. But what happens when you take a young person who has a dream and they become a 40-year-old like me and they've lost their dream, then it becomes monotonous day after monotonous day. And I say, you know what? I I, I just know too much at this point. I know that that can't be possible. I know I can't do it. I know because of my past, it can't happen. And so we begin to put our dreams away. And life that we live day to day begins to kill the dream that God has put in our heart. And I would encourage you this year, dream big. Dream big. Put away all those other thoughts. Put away all that stuff. You may be 60. You may be 70. You may be 80. You may be 14 in here. I don't care how old you are. Dream big in your life. The second thing that I talked about and that I shared was write the vision. Basically, have a vision. (laughs) Dream big, have a vision. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4 says that we're supposed to write the vision. 
Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Because there's going to be a day, January 14th, where it's not going to look like the thing that God told you in the beginning of the year is going to happen. <laughs> it's only two weeks in, but you know, <laughs> how many people give up on their resolutions like six weeks in, it's over. At the gym, we just hang out and wait for, you know, February to come so all the newbies will go away. Now, it doesn't look like I've been to a gym in a while, but I'm about to go and I'm going to start back. And uh, today is the last day of my binge. I purpose to eat my way through Christmas and New Year's and I did it. Yes. <laughs> Victory for me. I almost had to change shirts because this one doesn't button anymore. So the back is ripped out so that it can close in the front. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Pretty close. I wiped out the ice cream last night. So there's just a couple cookies left and some bad fudge that I don't like. So I think I'm safe. But you got to write the thing down. Because what happens is by the time you get to March, by the time you get to July, even if you don't think you're going to forget, you begin to forget what those things are. And the, the things that you face, the stress and the pressures that come at us in life that we don't take, that we cast our care on Jesus. But the things that come at us then begin to affect us if we don't keep our eyes focused on him. That's the last thing. But if we don't, if we don't go back and read that thing, See, if we're not able to go back to what God said, how many of you know there are those days where you got to go back to what God did? you got to go back to those memorial stones that Pastor Pam shared about a couple weeks ago. you got to go back to that place where you say, I know God said to marry this woman. I don't care how heinous she's been. I ain't leaving. God said to marry her. She's the one. That's important. When I talk to people who are getting married, I say, you got to tell me, why are you marrying this person? Oh, because they're precious and they love them. Whatever, that's going to fail. Because in about six weeks, she ain't going to be no precious no more. And in seven weeks, she's not going to like him. There's got to be more than that. There's got to be, you know what? Because God said, this is the person for me. God brought this person into my life and said, she's the one for me to marry. So it doesn't matter how, how difficult the times get. It doesn't matter how cranky I get. I know that she's always going to stand by me. We made a commitment a long time ago because God said and so when you're able to go back to that thing that God said this, see, when you get back to like July, and now all of a sudden you go, man, what was it? What happens is we begin to edit what God said if we don't write it down. We begin to add a little bit to it. We begin to take a little bit away from it. We try to make it fit where we are in July, not what God said in January. And you can't mess with what God said if you wrote it down in the beginning of January. See, if you write it down, make it plain on a tablet, as you run it out the rest of the year, as you live it out day by day in this year, you'll be able to go back to it. You'll begin to check some of it off the list, I believe, but then others you're going to have to continue to stand in faith and continue to walk toward it. But if you allow yourself not to write it down, you'll edit it along the way. And in July, you'll have some perverted version of it. And not perverted nasty, I just mean perverted different than what God said. So I would encourage you to do that. The third thing that we said was, you've got to forget the past. 2010 is over. That calendar is no good anymore. You can't look at it. You can't plan your days by it. It's old stuff. You go to the mall and you buy a new one. You go to the mall right now, you can buy one for like 75% off. I mean, like four bucks. That's what I do. I wait till about the end of July. So it's their first 30 days. I'm a little confused. But once that goes by, man, those calendars are cheap. And I sometimes end up with a Polly Pocket calendar, but it's all right. I get whatever's left, and I get three or four of them, and I put them up all over. But see, you got to get a new calendar if you want to be current in this year. 
So you got to know what God's speaking to you this year, not what God said last year. Now, I believe that some of it could be a continuation into this year, but the things that happened last year that you didn't do right. See, the things that went on last year that bogged you down and brought you to a bad place in your life, the places where you missed it last year in your life. See, that's all past. That's all in 2010, and we are now in 2011. So what is God going to do today in your life? That's what matters, because today, tomorrow, and next week, those are the things that get you to the end of this year that fulfill the thing that he wrote down. See, fulfill the thing that Habakkuk 2 said in your life. You may not see it next week. You may not see it by July, maybe August. Heck, maybe February. I don't know. But I do know God wants to do something great. Dream big, have a vision, write it down. Don't worry about the past. And the the fourth thing is, have fun. Holy smokes, watch a funny movie. Tell jokes, make them clean. Something. But the body of Christ doesn't laugh enough. A merry heart makes good like a medicine. And I think a lot of people are really sick in their life. They just don't know it. They haven't laughed forever, so they haven't taken their medicine. You take vitamins. You take them every day. The Word of God is a vitamin. It's the bread of life, and we do believe it, and we receive it every day. But you've got to laugh and have fun. The thing that God has called you to may be work, but it doesn't mean it's not fun. See, you may have to get your hands dirty. There may be some sacrifice, but it's going to be the most fun that you ever had in your life. This is the most work I've ever done. (laughs) I taught school for 13 years. I could teach that backwards. I showed up. Stuff was copied on my desk. I was a great teacher. My kids learned all kinds of great stuff. And I didn't have to work at it at all. 7.30 to 2.30, and that was it. It was awesome. I was in the best shape of my life. I got a nap every day. I mean, it was good stuff. Now, I guess, you know, I mean, there's some work. I mean, my student teachers always wanted to be like me, and I said, I work really hard to be like this. You just don't see the work going on behind the scenes. But this has been work. But you know what? I haven't ever had any more fun. If you'll just do what God wants you to do today, he'll bring fulfillment into your life like you've never seen. And you will have fun. I've been laughing over the last four or five months with Elizabeth, like we haven't laughed in a long time. I mean, that's all we did for a year and a half before we got married. All we did was go out and have fun. I was dating a roommate, but I had fun with her. (laughs) So we played cards, played games, laughed, talk about our life, talk about what we wanted to do in the future. We just did stuff and laughed, just had a great time. And now 22 years later, we're laughing again. So I don't know what happened in between those spots, but... I'm just kidding. We have a good time. But all of a sudden, there's just been joy that's kind of come in. Our children, our home is full of laughter and full of fun. And as we've walked around and I shared last week in the Christmas season, I I want it to be fun. Merry, man, stinking Christmas. Let's have a good time. Cartwheels and all wear elf outfits. Whatever it takes, let's have fun. This is Christmas. Every day should be like that for the believer because you got Jesus alive on the inside of you. Oh, but you don't know what I face. But you don't know what God has for you today. And you could be down about it. I would tell the kids all the time when you come to my class, have fun. You get to make the choice. I don't like math. Who cares? (laughs) Have fun anyway. You're going to have to learn it. So you're going to have to live your life. You make the choice whether you have fun or not. 
The last thing was focus, focus, focus. That you gotta be focused on Jesus. And especially in this next year, I believe, you have to be focused on the things that he has for you, his will for your life, like never before. It says in Hebrews in chapter 12, it says you're gonna run the race. It says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run the race with endurance, the race that's been set before us. And it goes on and says, we're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not looking unto your boss, not looking unto your mate, not looking unto a family member or somebody else, not looking unto the government, not looking unto some other situation. It says, look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Because he has something for you. How many of you know in those moments when it's tough, but you see somebody? Maybe it's Pastor Pam as she comes into the room. Maybe it's Pastor Bill. Maybe it's Elizabeth or something, and you've been in a situation, and they walk into the room. All of a sudden, your heart just like, oh. See, that's what Jesus does in your life. If you'll just look to Jesus and keep your eyes on him, he begins to take all the trepidation. He begins to take all the fear. begins to take all the pain, the hurt. He takes all that stuff out of your life. And in its place, he just pours his goodness and his grace and his mercy and you begin to see the greatness of God manifest in your life. Those are the things that God gave me about keeping joy and peace in my life. And then this week, he began to, to share with me uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Pam sat down in a staff meeting, and, and she was praying about 2011. And I asked her, I said, you know, I know you're, she's gone away, and she and Pastor Bill are just off in Florida. They just left last night, and they're just checking out and going to go spend some time on the beach and just seek God. She said, tell everybody we've just gone to seek God. I said, well, that seems kind of... Seems kind of like, ooh. <laughs> but she said, it's all right. We go every year. And they, they do go every year. I've had an honor, you know, every year to kind of preach in the beginning of, the, of the, the year and not necessarily set the word for the church, but set the word for, for our life and what God is sharing with us. And, you know, this year is, is not much different. But she, she came in and she said, you know, I'm not a rhymer. I'm not somebody that does that kind of thing. She says, I'm not looking for some kind of slogan. But she said, when I asked God about 2011, he said, manna from heaven in 2011. And she said, I don't know what that means. And in my heart, I was like, yeah, baby. I mean, I was thinking manna. Now think about manna. That was the bread. See, that was the bread in Exodus in chapter 16. That was the bread that came down. See, God gave, and I was thinking in my life, yeah, because I see manna as like cinnamon rolls because it was in the morning. And it said it tasted like bread and honey and everything. And that's kind of like a honey bun, like a cinnamon roll, nice and frosted. I could live on that. I have been living on that for the last bunch of months. I'm going to have to go on a manna diet in my house. But it says in Exodus, if you want to look at that, 16.4 is the verse. Because the children of Israel had got a little pickety, you know, and they like, it's a little snickety with God. And they, they, were, they were mad at, at Moses. And, and, you know, they always were going back and forth. And, and, and they were worried about what they were going to eat and how it was going to go down. And God spoke to Moses and he said, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and they'll gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they may walk in my law or not. Now, when she said that word in that staff meeting that day, I was like, okay, that's a little corn the real rhyming thing, but I am all for the man apart because I was thinking, rain it down, baby. I mean, bring it. I got shovels. I got buckets. I just picture my whole yard just like four feet deep in whatever you want. Might come on down. You live right by me. You can get whatever you want out of the yard. You know, it's probably piles of money, man, because God's going to rain manna down in my house. And then I read like the last part there. <laughs> 
It said, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And God began to speak to me, and I felt like in the New Testament version, it would say whether they're going to walk by faith or not. But I was kept drawing back to this thing that said a certain quota every day. And God said, oh, it'll be everything you need. It'll be more than enough for you in abundance of all the things, whether it's wisdom, whether it's finances, whether it's health in your life. It'll be all of these things for you all poured out into your life. And I was like, yes, for today. And then I went, ooh. Because I'm thinking, hey, if I can gather up enough, see, if I can scoop up about 80% of that and get it in the house, I can take a week off. I mean, how many of you read ahead in the Bible reading if you did that, you know? Did you have them stand up if they read it? Oh, did you read the Bible all the way through the year? Anybody read the Bible all the way through the year on the plan? Stand up if you did. We want, to, we want to honor you. Anybody, anybody, anyway? We had about six or eight of them in the first service. Nobody in the second service read all the way through with the Bible plan this year? Praise God. Pastor Pam would have been standing up. I'll stand up for her. God's good. And he has that for you in your life. But what I found in this particular place was, God, I want to rake it all in because I want to like store some up so I can like take a little bit of a break. And God said, this is going to be, see, this is going to be something that's going to be beyond you. You're going to be astonished at what I do, but it's going to be day by day. So I was excited about manna, and then I walked out of the meeting, and no sooner did I get in the hallway to give myself a little click of the heels, did he say, day by day. <laughs> oh, seriously? Man. But then if you go back and you read about this, for 40 years, God poured manna on them. And they were allowed to take one omer, which was almost a gallon, one omer of this stuff into the house for each person. If they slept late, they missed it because when the sun came up, it melted. So they had to get up every day and go do it. Six days a week for 40 years, he did that. On the sixth day, they were allowed to keep extra. Heck, the children of Israel were no different than you and me. They ran out that first couple days and were like, ah, ha, ha, baby, got the shovels full, brought it in the house, right? Because they were like, mm, that's good. They're like cinnamon rolls. You know, they were, mm, yeah, they were. And so they like bring it all in the house. They fill the garage up with it. And they're like, mm, we're going to eat this forever. And then like in the morning when they wake up, it's like, whoa, what smells in here? God said to them day by day. And he's saying to us or saying to me in my life, Elizabeth in our life, and see, day by day, manna from heaven means everything that you have need of in your life, but day by day. It's a new year, it's a new you, and you have to have a revelation of what God has. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we're all new creatures in Christ. It says the old things have been passed away. Behold, all those things have been made new in our life. So in your life where you are, you're a new creature. And you think, well, I've done the same bad things for a long time. Well, God will forgive you. It says in his word that if you ask forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And that when you ask that, this scripture comes into being in your life. That as you ask forgiveness and you stretch out and say, God, I've made a mistake, I repent. It says that you're a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have been made new in your life. This is a new year. Believe that for yourself. Take a new thought. Take a new hope. Allow yourself to dream again in a new year. Ephesians in chapter 4, we won't read it, but you can go back and read that. It's, it's verses 17 through 24. It says, stop thinking of yourself in your old mind. It says, stop thinking about the way you used to be. Well, I'm still like that. Stop it. See, the Gentiles, the other people who don't have Jesus, what we would say today, the people who aren't saved, that's the way the world thinks. They see themselves as useless. They see themselves as no hope. But we're the body of Christ. We have Jesus in our life. We do have hope. 
He came to give us hope, to bring us joy, to bring us peace in our life. So we're different. So think differently. Now, I'm adding a little bit to it in that it's my own version of the scriptures there. But he says that you need to put on the new man. It says, stop thinking of yourself the old way, renew your mind, and put on the new man in Christ who you really truly are. And if you'll get up every morning and remind yourself who you are, if you'll write those things down that God is saying to you, then you get up in the morning and you begin to dress yourself, not just in the armor of God, but you begin to dress yourself in the things that God says. You begin to clothe yourself in the word of God that says, I am the head and not the tail. I am above, I am not beneath. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God does have a great plan for me and he thinks for me. He has a future for me that will give me hope. Like it says in Jeremiah. See, he has all that. And you begin to clothe yourself. You begin to recite that about who you are. Every day, every day, every day. That's part of him pouring manna into your life. Then as you leave your house and you go in your way, continue to say those things all, 24 hours in a day. Now, they could only get their manna in the morning, but they could eat it all day. They could bring the manna into the house, and they could eat it like... Now, when it's outside and the sun comes up and it gets hot, it all goes away. But it says they took it and mashed it and cooked it and did all kinds of things with it. See, the things that God's telling you to say about yourself, the things that he's bringing into your life, the things that he's speaking to you in the morning, the things that he's showing you, those are all manna in your life. It's a new you and it's a, it's a new year. So why don't you have a new thought? Allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself to have a vision. Allow yourself to forget the past. Allow yourself to have fun. Allow yourself to focus on Jesus. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You just have to determine and decide if that's going to be a priority or not. We all do. And I'm speaking and preaching probably to myself because this is the word that God gave me. But, you know, he created you for good works. So where are the good works? It says in Matthew chapter 5, men will see your what? Good works. If God created you for them, in Matthew chapter 5, it says that Jesus came to make us the salt and the light of the earth and that men would see our good works and that wouldn't just draw them to us, but we would be able to draw them to who? Jesus. But there's good works involved. So when you're going to be living on his manna, if you're going to be living day to day in the things that he has for you, you're going to be seeing these good works in your life. And I'm telling you, it'll be a that may not have happened to you before. You may be saying, that'd be really nice. That's never happened. I've never had a good day in my life. And it's, it's, it happens. Or you may say, it's been years since I've had a good day. It's been a long time since anything good has happened to me. Or Robert used to say all the time, something good is going to happen to you today. I believe in 2011, each day you can wake up and you can say that to yourself. Something good is going to happen to me yes. today. Right. Write it down. That may be a word for you. God gave me this word about this manna from heaven. And he spoke this to me and it was exciting. And I'm telling you, I'm not just excited for, for Elizabeth and I in our lives. I'm excited because this means that, that, that we're going to be in places where we're just going to be seeing the manifested greatness of God happen like at work or like at the grocery store and you're going to be writing things. We're going to have so many testimonies that we won't even, we'll have to have like testimony nights so we can read them all. Amen. See, an abundance of finances that come into the house so that the house can do what God called it to do means that the people who are in the house are blessed. Yes. That's a good word. Yes. I mean, I jumped up and down and thought, bring it on. Hey, I take five times as much and give away four. 
I take what I live on now, what I mean, I'll give it away. I'm trying to give it away now. Why not have more than enough? See, the mentality and the thought comes, well, what happens if tomorrow doesn't go good? Ah, manna every day. Every day. Every day. See, he brings what you need every day. I don't have to have a silo full. For a while, I was very concerned because I wasn't saving enough money to take care of my children when I died. Then I thought, I'm dead. I don't care about them. (laughs) Daniel's here. You can have it all. Your sister's not been here today, so she's out. (laughs) But you know what? Instead (laughs) Instead of saving up riches, the world's riches for them in their life, what we have done is poured God's riches into them in their life. So that hopefully, they're not even going to, I'm hoping he makes enough to take care of me. (laughs) Praise God, go out there and mow grass, boy. (laughs) Keep mowing. You keep buying dog food. (laughs) Bring it on in the house. See, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. It says so in Matthew, right? It says, don't worry about tomorrow. This word God gave me, it says, and this is what he spoke to me. So take it if if you, I mean, I, I believe it's for us. I told Pastor Pam I was going to share this, not steal her word, but use it for what God has told me about it. It says, this year will be a year of great provision, miraculous provision that will be doled out daily. You will have to know me as your provider. See, the children of God in that time, they had to know God as the provider. They had to trust him because every day they were going to get up and they were going to eat what he provided. Every day, I'm going to have to know him as provider. He said, I will bring what you need in your life as you seek me on a daily basis. You will see all the desires of your heart as you acknowledge me in all of your ways and wean yourself from your own understanding. Said great wisdom, great wealth, great health, and great peace will be yours in 2011, a year that will exceed your greatest expectation. I had to stop at the moment because I got some great expectations. I've seen God in my life doing great things. I mean, for 25 years, I've had great expectations of all the things that God was going to do. But again, you know, you write those things down, then you walk it out day by day. 25 years is a lot of days to keep walking and walking and walking and saying, okay. But you know what? In those 25 years, we've been blessed. In those 25 years, we've had great victories. We've had a lot of challenges. We've gone through a lot of fights and trials and tests, and we haven't gotten to the end of those 25 years yet. But I've seen some of them along the way. But he said, he told me that I would, this would be a year where I would actually see him exceed the greatest, my greatest expectations, not just living in the goodness, not just living in the goodness, but seeing his greatness manifest in our lives daily. The absolute sweet, she said, the manifest goodness, greatness of God in our lives. You know, when I started looking at the manna, then he showed me a few things, and I'll just share them with you now before we finish up. But the deal was, number one, the first thing that he showed me was manna was sustenance. And that's the thing that you live on. It's the thing that that really makes you live. And in our world today, where we are as human beings, we need bread and we need water. I mean, we need to eat food and we need to drink water. If you don't, you will eventually die. I mean, you, you cannot live without those two things. You have to have them. Spiritually in your life, you have to partake of the bread of life. You have to have Jesus alive on the inside of you, and you need to partake of the word of God because he is the bread of life. And he is the thing that you have to receive in your life daily. 
Because if you don't, spiritually, you will eventually shrivel on the inside and die. And I think many believers get disappointed along the way. See, we wrote it down, but then we stopped reading it. All of a sudden, it got to July, and I'm not, re- I'm not renewing my mind to it. I'm not remembering what it said. I've gone through some hard times, and some bad things have happened. And now, all of a sudden, I've gotten to a point where I stopped even receiving from what God was saying to me in my personal time. Then I went to church about every other week, and then I stopped going altogether. And now, you know those people. You've seen those people in your life. You may be related to them. Where are all the people that might have been here last year for this service? And they were fired up and ready to see God do something. Eventually, if you stop eating from the bread of life, if you, da- if you stop daily partaking of what God has for you spiritually in your life, you will shrivel up and you will begin to die. There will be nothing left of you but an empty husk. There'll be no joy. There'll be no peace because there isn't much Jesus. He hadn't left you, but you stopped partaking of him. In Deuteronomy 1 through 3, it really shares just a little bit about the fact of what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4. Matthew quoted Deuteronomy in that, or Jesus quoted Deuteronomy in that particular passage when the devil came against him. But it said, for every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe it, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which your father, the Lord, has sworn to you. Then it went on in verse two, it says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse three says, he's only humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with what? Manna. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. See, it wasn't just the bread that gave them sustenance. It was the fact that God gave them the bread. And the bread wasn't the thing that kept them alive. It was the fact that God gave them the bread that kept them alive. He could have given them dirt and said, eat the dirt. That would have kept them alive. Because God gave that to them for that purpose. They began to see that God was the one who was See, God was the one who was blessing. God was the one who was providing. He was the one who every day for 40 years, he made the way. Every day. And it said that man will not live by bread alone, but will live by every word, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Well, if you're not spending time, see, if you're not taking that day by day, if you're not partaking of the manna that he's giving you day by day, then how are you going to know if it says you live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, if you're not in that particular place, if you're not in that, in that spot where you're hearing from God and receiving from the Lord, if you're not going out there and you're not gathering up the manna that he's put in your way, that he's put in your place for you to see, it said you had one gallon of food, you have one omer to take in the house, that is your sustenance, that's the thing that God has provided for you, so you bring it into here. They didn't say, oh, I'm not going to go out today. They said, every day I'm going out there and I'm getting mine because this is the thing that's going to help me live. This is the thing that God has provided for me. And so I, see, I'd rather have quail. See, remember that? You know, remember that? Oh, I want birds. You know, and they, oh, go ahead, man. God gave them birds. They all got sick. <laughs> don't tell God what you don't want. Take what he's given you. See, too many believers are wandering around saying, that's all great, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. I know that God told me this. The devil can take the thing that God told you and he can, he can mess you up with it if you don't know who God is. If you don't trust God day by day, he'll take that thing that says you're going to be this down there and he's going to jack you up with it. Because all you're going to do for the next 10 years is cry about not being that thing down there and you're going to miss two great years of your life or 10 great years of your life or 15 great years of your life where God is going to do something fantastic day by day. 
Don't give up what he said back down there. Because I'm telling you what, if you'll be good today and you'll be good tomorrow and you'll get your omer full the next day and you follow him here and you follow him there and then all of a sudden I'm telling you what, one day you're going to be there. That's God. Because I struggle with that. I know that's true. I have to shake myself sometimes. Sounds like a Yahtzee game in my head because there's not much going on, but sometimes I got to shake myself because I start thinking those things. I ain't ever going to be that. God says, shut up and just be what you are. <sighs> okay. Where's my, where's my Omer? I'll go out and gather. You have to. The second thing that he showed me was that it, re- that it requires total reliance on God. Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. He said, I came to do the will of the one who sent me, not my will be done. I have to rely on him totally. They had to wake up every morning and rely on God. They didn't get a second shot. They couldn't go, oh, you know what? I was a little grumpy this morning, but oh, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. I'll go out and get some. Nope. It was gone. They had to get up every day. They had to rely on God. And that thing kept them going for 40 years until they moved into the promised land. Now listen, until they moved into the promised land, see it says in, in, in Joshua in chapter five, when they crossed the river and then they went out and they began to eat of the things that were in the promised land, the milk and the honey and all those things, then all of a sudden they looked around and went, oh, hey, look, no more, no more manna. It said it ceased. But God took care of them all the way through all those years until they got to that place. The promised land for this church isn't just a building. The promised land for the believers and the people who make up this church isn't just a place that you're going to go. The promised land, you know, it's like going to be with Jesus in heaven. And so until the day that you go to your promised land, your ultimate spiritual promised land, which is with him in heaven, that says he's going to provide for you manna in your life every day. Every day he's going to provide for you something that's going to take care of you and it's going to give you sustenance. If you rely on him and trust him, he'll get you through every day until it's the end of days for you. He did it for the children of Israel every day until they moved into the promised land. No matter how cranky they got, no matter what was happening, he provided for them. That's what he loves to do. He provides for his children. Adam and Eve sinned, and all of a sudden they realized they were naked. What did he do? He clothed them. He wanted to set them at peace because they were freaked out because they were naked. There's only two of you. How bad could it be? You know, it's not like you're in the mall and you notice you ain't got no clothes on. Just you and her, man. Go with it. (laughs) The third thing, sorry. Let's get to the third thing. And here's the part that caught me. See, I said it earlier. Here's the part that caught me. The third thing, it requires daily faith. I can't can't hold back some. See, it requires daily faith. It requires me every day trusting God. If God says give something away, I got to be able to give it away. And without the thought that says, well, what about tomorrow? If God said, give it away, what do you think he'll do tomorrow? He'll provide. See, where God guides, he provides. He always leads you, then he always takes care of you in that place. Always. He never puts you in a place and then doesn't provide for you somehow. That's what he does. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Caleb Worley had tweeted this yesterday. I wanted to share it. It said, don't hold today's faith in storage. Use what you have today, and it will be multiplied for tomorrow. 
Don't hold today's faith in storage. And I think many times what we say is, I've got to get the biggest faith that I possibly can so that I can conquer this thing that he has down the road. Maybe it's something that he tells you in January and you write it down and you say, okay, for the next six months, man, I'm not even going to extend my faith anywhere else because I'm going to put all my faith, I'm going to extend it all toward this thing over here. And God says, can't do that. Your faith has to be extended every day. Why? Because if you extend your faith every day, if you give your faith every day, it will be multiplied to the point where six months down the road, when you need that faith, when you need that size of thing, or you need that, see, it's going to be there. He says, don't hold your faith in storage. Use what you have today, and it'll be multiplied for tomorrow. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, how, unless a grain of, grain of wheat f- dies and falls into the ground, does it bring up a harvest? And he was talking about himself. You know, he was talking about himself dying and bringing up all of us. See, if, how it, unless one thing gets planted as a seed, it grows up the harvest. Jesus said, in my life, how is it that if I don't die and put myself into the ground, how are all these people going to receive righteousness and receive forgiveness of their sin? How would it happen? In your life, how will you get there if you don't put your seed in the ground today? If you don't put your faith in the ground today? If you don't go out and gather your omer full and say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. See, if you don't plant your faith, give your faith, live in faith, stretch your faith today, how can it ever grow to the point where it needs to be multiplied six months down the road? How can it grow to the point where in two years you're going to be that person or be that place? You grow day by day. You don't grow all of a sudden. You didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to be 22. No, you're six. You got 16 years till you're 22. No, I want to be 22. I need to drive. I'm 16. No, you're not. You're six. And so what do six-year-olds do sometimes? They get real frustrated and they live about 10 years worth of miserable life because all they want to do is drive. Then they get a license like, oh, this wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> and 10 years of, of being happy and doing, being doing what six-year-olds do or whatever all went by the wayside. Don't let a year go by. Don't let a day go by of this year where you don't enjoy what God's doing. You don't step out in faith. You don't receive the manner that he's given you and you don't live your life to the fullest. Because you're not just cheating the things that God has for you, you're cheating yourself. And that's no good. There are people attached to you living life this way. There are people who are attached to you getting through this trial. There are people who are attached to you getting through this test and getting past this hard place. There are people who are attached to you on the other side of this thing that you have got to go through so that you can release the power of God that he's put in your heart. And you need to learn what you're going to learn going through to give it to them on that side. Amen. Amen. I think that's good. God will provide for you. There's a bunch of stuff in your outline. Go home and read it. I don't think I talked about any of it. Two things. That's pretty good for me. I give you your own personal weekly devotion right there. You can know what I'm thinking about as you go. God will provide, don't worry, and the last thing says, seek him. Because I'm telling you, I believe this word. I believe what he said, I believe what Pastor Pam shared, but I believe what he told me is true, and I believe it's true for you too. It'll be a year like none other, but it's going to be a year that's going to be lived out day by day, and I believe we're going to see truly the manifested greatness of God in our lives. Amen. Let's stand up together.
You know, right where you are, you can just bow your heads and just take a moment. Because, see, today's a day. That means it's an opportunity for manna in your life. This may mean to you at times it's something that somebody says, like a message, like today. Maybe it's tomorrow, Joyce Meyer on TV or Joel Osteen or, you know, who knows. Maybe Jensen Franklin speaks to you on, online or whatever. But I know this. The children of Israel, see, they had to go out of their house every day. And it said they had to gather up the amount for each person within the household, which tells me that each person's responsible for getting the thing that they need. So today, right now, as we're quiet before the Lord, He's speaking to you. He's sharing something. See, because today's a day. And it says He's going to bring manna from heaven. So ask Him. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Ask, seek, and knock. And those who ask will find. Those who knock, it'll be open to them. See, as you seek God, He'll make Himself known to you. So today, right where you are, just quietly, say, God, I, I need manna. You may be here today, and you may need something. You may not even know what it is, but you know, man, I just need it. Just right here where you are, just lift your hands and say, God, I'm right here. I'm in a place. I'm in a hard place. I'm in a tough place. I need to see you move in my life. I need you today. It says in his word, as you cry out to him, he'll answer you. I see your hands. You just lift them up, man. It's between you and God. Not me. God's going to answer you today. He's going to answer you where you are in this place. Father, speak. Word of God. Word of God, speak in this place today. Father, crying out in desperation. We need you. We need you. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I don't, I don't even know Jesus. It's a good message. It's, I, I agree. I, I need that. I want that in my life. I want manna. I want him to speak to me, show me, teach me, but I don't even know who Jesus is. I knew him once, but I walked away. You know, it's a new year. It's time for a new start in Jesus. Are you here today and say, you know what, that's me, man. I need a new start. I need to start over with God. I've messed up. I've went the other way, and I need to come back. 2011 is my year to start over in Christ. Is there anybody here today at all? I want to give you an opportunity to get right with God. Praise God. Then we're all saved. Praise God. I see your hands. I see your hands. Let's make this confession of our faith with our friend. Sandy, you want to go back with Crystal? Lay your hands on her. How many of you know We've made some mistakes in our life. But aren't you glad that God always says, I'm right here. It's okay. Let's make this confession of our faith together. Let's say, Father, I love you. I thank you for Jesus, that he died on the cross, that he forgave me of my sins. Today I ask forgiveness. I've made mistakes. I've messed up. But I want my heart right. I want to live for you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me encourage you real quick before I pray for you. God gave me this word here at the end just to read to you and just to share. This was this morning as I was praying. 
And I believe that it was for me. (laughs) But I share it with you because I believe it's for you too. And I believe it's for this church and, and where we're going and what we're doing. But it says, I'm about, he told me, you know, I, if you just be quiet and just let God talk to you, not try to fill in the blanks, not try to make it sound real good, but just be real quiet and let him talk to you. I wasn't in a place where I was looking to hear nothing really, but I was a place where he said, shh, let me tell you something. And he said, I'm about to do something, something beyond all you have ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. And I know in my life, that's, I've hoped and dreamed and imagined a lot of stuff. And you probably have too in your life. In this church, in this city and community, but also in your life. I believe, God said, I, it'll be miraculous. You've seen it. He said, how many of you have seen things that God showed you? He said, you've seen it. You've cried for it. How many of you have spent time in tears because of the thing that God's put in your heart? Then he said, you've believed it. And then the last part, and he said, now you're going to experience it. I don't know what that is in your life. I don't know what that means. I know what that means in my life. And it was all I could do really to contain myself. See, you've seen it. He's trying to tell you. You've cried for it. You've believed it. And now you'll experience it. Day by day, he said, manna from heaven. Shane, all of those things, you've seen it, you've cried for it, you've believed it. It's going to be a year where you experience the greatness of God like you've never imagined. You have been faithful in all the little things. You have honored God with your heart, with your life, and with your possessions. You've entrusted Him with your family and with your future. And He's going to repay you in this year like you could never imagine. I believe. See, I believe God has that kind of word for each one of us. That same thing as he speaks and shares into your heart. You can do it. That's what God had to tell me. You can do it. When you've spent a lot of time praying about it, thinking about it, hoping and wishing. And God says, you know what? Today's the day. Today's the day. You get humble real quick. Say, God, show me. But you know what he did? He told me he was going to give me manna from heaven. 
day by day. And when I said okay, then he said, let's go. In your life, what is it that he has for you day by day? Father, I thank you for each person here today. I thank you, Father, for your light and your love, for your peace, Father, for your joy, for your Holy Spirit speaking to us, Father, in our lives, for your word enlightening us, Father, to our direction. I thank you, Father, that you are entrusting us, Father, not just with a plan and a purpose for our lives, Father, but for a day-by-day walk that's not just going to set us free, but it's going to set others free. Father, that you're going to use us in a new way in this new year. Father, we absolutely lay ourselves on the altar today. We put ourselves out there and say, I will do as you've asked. I will follow you. I will get out there and gather what you've given me. I will take my manna. I will eat it and give it and live it and be who you call me to be and live the life you call me to live every day. I will not leave anything on the table. If that's you today, you tell them, I will not leave anything on the table. I am going to go to bed at night doing all the things that God has told me to do. Father, I will follow you, and I thank you for manna day by day. That when I wake up in the morning, Father, you show me what to do. I thank you, Father, that it's not just a change in this church. It's a change in this city. It's a change in this community. Father, I thank you that you are giving us purpose, that you're giving us boldness and courage to change our country. Father, we can't look at our country and think of anything that we could do to make a change. But Father, day by day, you will show us. Father, that we will rise up in this place and we will be a light, not just under this city, Father, but under this country. That we will make a difference, Father, from house to house, from neighborhood to neighborhood, from city to city, state to state, Father, around this country and around the world. We will rise up. And Father, in this year, you will provide for us a way to make a difference day by day. We thank you for it, Father. We rejoice. We accept the responsibility and the call, Father, to live relying totally on you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.